I just want to try and uh, um, just spend about um, 15 or 20 minutes just building a foundation of of what God's been speaking uh, to me over probably over the last year. Um, so I want to try and quickly do it do it justice, and then um, uh, pull it together with just where I feel the Lord's wanting to take 24/7 as a church. Uh, so just very quickly is uh, just the understanding that um, when Christ came to this earth uh, and He um, came as as our Savior and as our Lord, and He came with the mandate of um, dying on the cross and taking all our our sins, and um, so that we could be redeemed, so we we could be forgiven, um, so we could be restored back into relationship with God, right? Um, but in essence, in the Word of God, we see that there was so much more than just that. Is that Christ came as the prototype, as the firstborn of creation, not as like he wasn't, he didn't already exist, and now he's only born now. It's he was the firstborn of, of this new prototype uh, of believer, of Christian, that everything that Christ did, I want to share it this way with you, is everything that Christ did um, was like uh, he set a precedent for what we could walk in and what we could follow, right? So as he came, he came as the son of man. He came as a man. He came as a man, not just that he had to be our substitute or represent us um, be perfect, and then die on the cross so that our sins could be taken. But he came as a man also to show us the prototype and uh, set the precedent of what we could walk in and what we could live in. Amen. So my heart has always been when you read the Word of God and you read the New Testament, you read what God is doing in and through our lives. It's not just this, God's not coming back to just rescue this church that's kind of broken apart. It's kind of this, it's this puzzle box it's been cut up into a whole bunch of pieces, and, uh, and God's coming back so that he can put it all back together again so that we can all live in heaven. Forgive my voice, it's just been 24 hours of, uh, of singing, and, and when you're loving Jesus, you just sing. Amen. Amen. And your voice just goes nutty, but, but anyway, drink some water. Okay. He's coming back for a glorious church. An amazing church, a church that's vibrant, that's powerful, that's active. Amen. And because Jesus set the precedent. And he wants to come in and he wants to invade our lives. Take over so that he can display just how amazing and how wonderful and how good he is. Amen. And so that's kind of my heart is uh, what God's been stirring. And one of the things that we as a church often not just 24-7, but as a church, often do is that we settle with just the theology. We settle just with the knowledge. We settle just with understanding. I was talking um, um, to Bernie, I think it was yesterday, we were just talking about angels. And um, there's so much that God has given us, so much wisdom, so much knowledge, so much uh, understanding, um, but we settle with that understanding, we settle with will to know that. So that actually if we sit around together, we can impress one another with our knowledge. But we fall short of actually experiencing and walking in the fullness of that. Amen. And we dare not settle for that, friends. That's why half the time with the church, the, the, the world looks on and kind of, it's tired of talkers. It wants to see something. Amen. And as the church, we want to see something. We want to experience something. We want to be what the Bible tells us we can be. We dare not stop pursuing fullness. That's who we are, friends. And so there's this drive and desire in my heart that I don't want the words on the pages. I want the words in my life. I want the word living and active. I don't want the word to give me intelligence that I can stand before a group of people and preach, and everyone goes, wow, that gave me goosebumps. I don't give a tortoise about goosebumps, to be honest. What I care about is a living and active word, working in our hearts, changing lives, because that's what Christ paid for. So the kingdom of God could come, and His will could be done, so that people could see how good our Savior really is. That He's amazing. That He's not this 
grumpy God that's really upset with everybody, whatever, and he'll give you a token gesture of goodwill if you actually behave and do a bunch of stuff. Friends, he came when everything was against him coming. He came. When every single one of us were against him, he came. So at the end of the day, all it needs is just a a life that's surrendered, a life that says, let me grab hold of the rope, that surrenders to him and that just says, woohoo, and swings, and he just invades. Now in in that understanding, I'm jumping to a few things, I've got to do it as quick as I can, is one of the things uh, that first Adam, one of the things that first Adam was when he was tempted um, it wasn't the tree, it was before the tree. The devil said this, has God said? Did God say? He tempted and challenged him with what God had said. And the second Adam, or Jesus, the enemy tempted him with, if you are the son of God. What God said and who we are. Those are the two key issues, friends, that we need to understand that we need to win this battle. One is what God has said, friends, and that's why there is such an attack on the Word of God. I wanted to share, whenever it was last week, whenever it was, I wanted to share about Joshua. Because Joshua was about to go in. Moses now had died, and Joshua was about to go into the promised land. And read Joshua chapter 1. It's beautiful. But Joshua chapter 1, God is is declaring and pointing out the inheritance. And when he points out the inheritance, he says, now, the one key thing that God asks him to do is to meditate on his word day and night. To meditate on this word, friends. Get this word inside of us. Has God said? What did God say? To understand what God has said. And then to understand who you and I are. Our identity in him. Amen? Amen. Two things that the enemy will try and do in every single one of your, your and my life. Every negative thing that happens in your, your and my life has got one ma- purpose and one aim, and that's to change your view of God. Every negative thing in your life has one main purpose, and that's to change your view of God. Every positive thing that happens in your and my life has one purpose. That's to change your view of yourself. Let me unpack that. Every negative thing in your life wants you to change your view of God and start to question and challenge who God is, whether he's really good, why didn't he do this, why didn't he do that. wants to change what the truth says who God is, right? Every positive thing that comes in your life wants to change your view of who you are. I can do this actually without God. I am actually quite skilled. It actually was me who actually achieved this. I woke up at five o'clock every single morning, faced the traffic, went to work, had to sit there, had these brilliant ideas. Oh, just went to this guy and joined these dots and that dot. And I have built this company with my own hands from scratch. Both of those need to be conquered if we are to walk in what God has called us to and to walk in the truth. Because the whole of the 24-hour praise and worship had one theme and one theme only. And it was simply this, lift him up. He needs to be lifted up. And when he's lifted up, he will draw all men. Oh, taking too long. Okay. If you go to John chapter 3, let me just read quickly John chapter 3. Oh, the, the last 24 hours, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this. Lord, can I do this? I'm going to read this to you just because I, I've, I've been stuck in this last 24 hours. It's Isaiah ch- uh, chapter 6. So while you're busy turning, 
Let me just go to Isaiah chapter 6. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated upon a throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. And one called to the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Isaiah had this incredible picture and he saw the Lord. And he was high and lifted up. And 1 Kings, I think it's chapter 10, 18, 19, 20, describes Solomon's throne. And it says there, there was never a throne like that ever. It was um, uh, ivory that was uh, covered in, um, in gold. And it had a round top back. It had big armrests. Um, there were six uh, stairs uh, with a lion on each side of the stairs. So six on this side, six of the 12 lions. Love that. 12 lions. And, um, and this throne is God's throne, so it's just even more splendid. What do you say? Splendid. And um, splendiferous. Yeah. Um, and he's just, he's high and lifted up. And his train fills the temple. I, I, I'm going to go on this one very quickly, but his, his train is his glory. And it fills the temple. And if you understood in the, in the back in the days in the kings, what happened is the kings used to have these huge, uh, robes, these trains, and when, uh, when they were conquered, they, they used to cut the train off, and then the conquering king used to sew it onto his train. So you used to have these conquering kings with these massive trains, and, uh, and it used to fill just, you know, and it's just filled with God's glory because he's the conquering king. Um, and we just lift him up, you see. And when you, when you understand, understand and see this picture, it's such a side trail, but please, Lord, help me. I just love this picture. Is when you look at this, you, you, you see these, these angels that are incredible angels just described as just marvelous. But they've got six wings, and two of the wings are covering the face, and two of the wings are covering the feet, and the two, and the two wings are flying, right? And it just speaks, it just speaks so much of what they start singing. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. It just speaks of the glory of the Lord. It speaks of the holiness of God. It speaks of wings that cover their eyes because he's so glorious. It speaks of wings that cover their feet because no one can stand in the presence of the Lord. It speaks of wings of being lifted up in the presence of the Lord. It just speaks, it speaks of the holiness of God. It speaks of the incredible majesty and the beauty and the glory of God, and it just speaks of the people of God because of Jesus Christ being able to enter into the throne room of God and to be called holy. We are not worthy, friends, but we are called holy. These angels that are perfect, friends, that are covering their feet because no man can stand in the presence of God, yet we stand in His presence. Two wings that are covering the eyes, friends, because no man can see God and live, yet we can behold Him. Friends, if you understand that, it's to understand who we are in God, what He has given us, the majesty of what He has given us, the splendor of what He has given us, friends. When you get that revelation, understanding, friends, everything else just falls away. John chapter 3, we were going to John chapter 3, yeah. Oh, I could dwell on that one there, just. Oh. Let me say this. While we need beautiful Holy Spirit, we need Holy Spirit all the time. We need Holy Spirit because Holy Spirit's the one who brings revelation of the truth. Holy Spirit's the one who reveals Jesus to us. We need Holy Spirit to reveal. We need Holy Spirit to manifest Christ. I heard Bill Johnson say this once, and it's, it's never it's left me. It sits with me all the time. It's this, just the same as Mary needed the Holy Spirit to birth the Christ, so we equally need the Holy Spirit to birth the Christ. So as we come here and we read the Word this morning and we look at it, we need Holy Spirit to bring revelation of the truth, friends. We need to get understanding and revelation so we, we can know what God has, has given us 
as our inheritance, what he's called us to. Has, what has God said? Amen? Can I, can, I, can I build this picture in your minds? Can I say it's important that we study the word so that we can see where God has, what God has given us as our inheritance? I always, this always reminds me of the Marsden Farm, sorry. It just, I, I, the, the one day, um, I went there the one day to go and um, um, worship, spend some time with the Lord, get surrounded by horses and dogs and what have you, it was, it was great. And, and so I went there and I sat in the felt. And then as I'm sitting there, I'm looking, I'm looking at the farm and I'm remembering, um, I think what Nolene whatever it said to me and how there, there's the fence and it goes down as far as the, on the bottom, there's a river and, and then there's another uh, uh, boundary over there. You see those trees, that's there's another boundary. And then across the road is a whole bunch of forest. There's more, more uh, area and what have you. And you kind of picture this, this beautiful inheritance, this is what our territory is, and it's like the picture for me at the Word of God, Holy Spirit comes, brings revelation of the picture of all of this beautiful inheritance that we have, this is what God has given us, this is what we have, this is all very beautiful, and this is, this is now what we, we've been given as our inheritance, and the church go, woo, let's go talk to one another about this beautiful land. And I'm going, there's got to be more and the Lord says, yes, son, it's called faith. Faith is there to explore the land that God has given you. Faith is there to walk into and see your inheritance. It's one thing to look and say, oh, there's a beautiful river. See there, that's where, that's where our boundary, there, see that beautiful river. It's another thing to go and to swim in that river and to drink from that river and to experience that river. See, God wants us to experience the fullness, friends, of that which he has given us, not just to know it. See, when Adam knew Eve, friends, something happened. Something was conceived. Something was birthed. I believe the church the frustration that's building in the church, which is a good, holy frustration. The church has settled in knowing instead of birthing, instead of experiencing. John chapter 3, we're going to get there. John chapter 3 is a beautiful uh, 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 chapter. We all know we, we can all jump probably to John chapter th verse 16. John chapter 3 verse 16, for God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son, whoever believes in him will not perish. But the reality is John chapter 3 is about Nicodemus who comes um, and he comes in kind of in the, in the night because he's a bit nervous to come during the day because of the Pharisees and what have you. And he wants to come and ask Jesus some questions. And, and uh, in the, I think it's uh, verse 3, Jesus says, you must be born again. And, uh, and then I think if you jump to verse 8, it says, uh, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear it sound, but you do not know when it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And he now gives this analogy of, of being um, of wind, and uh, that we as believers are all, we're like the wind, um, which just blows, and we don't know from whence it comes and whence it goes. So he's using another natural analogy. So he's used the analogy of, being, of giving birth, and he's used the analogy of the wind, Right? Uh, so let's just read from verse um, 9. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? He uses two earthly things here to give an analogy to explain something of heaven. He's used uh, born again and he's used the wind and he's explaining natural things to explain heavenly things, right? Just as throughout the Bible, he's often using a, a lot of natural things to explain the heavenly things. And he's saying, if you don't know the, the, the natural things, when I explain about heaven, how are you going to understand heavenly things that have no natural understanding? What about the things that are not natural? Ooh. 
That's our inheritance where God wants to take us. There are things that cannot be explained naturally. They're heavenly things, friends. I see that went down like a brick, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> see, you do not believe. How can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? He just said, I've told you some earthly things. I love this. Just pause there. No one has ascended. Listen to this. No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended into heaven. Now, this is Jesus in his earlier uh, uh, life and ministry. Um, so he hasn't gone to the cross, he hasn't died, he hasn't gone, be, uh, been raised from the dead. This is him in his earlier part of his ministry. He says, no one has ascended who hasn't descended. Who de descended? Jesus, son of, son of God came, come the son of man. No one has ascended who hasn't descended. So Jesus was ascending because he said, no one has ascended who hasn't descended. So only he has descended, but he's ascending. Okay. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. And then it goes on to say, For God so loved the world. There's a beautiful um, illustration I wanted to say here. Uh, you will see where it says, um, No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. My Bible has a little uh, little goji there. And if you go down to the notes, the little goji says, some manuscripts say, add, who is in heaven? So read it like this. No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man who is in heaven. Where is the Son of Man? He's on the earth. He came down to the earth. But where is he really? He's in heaven. No one who ascended is except the one who descended. Only Jesus, son of man, descended, so he ascended. He's trying to tell us something that actually he's in two places. That he's a, in a heavenly place and he's also on the earth, right? Okay, let's jump quickly to Ephesians. We've been talking over the last little while. You need to, if, you, if you're new, you need to um, just go back and look on the website and listen to some of the sermons. We've been unpacking a little bit about Ephesians. It's been talking about um, the three aspects of the, of the believer's life. Seated, walking, standing, Right? Seated in Christ. This is kind of, let me read, just read it quickly. Um, um, from verse 15. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks to you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. He put all things underneath his feet, all things underneath his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. What does that simply mean? That means that the weakest and lowest and smallest and most insignificant part of the body of Christ or the church is above the enemy. He put him underneath his feet. 
So you might think you're just a big toe in the body of Christ, but you are above the enemy, above all rule and all authority, friends. Let me, let me share this very quickly because it's, it's a concept that just, it bugs me. The concept, friends, is that we've got people sitting in the church who just feel like, well, they're just weak and they just, they're feeble and what have you, but Christ came and died for me and now I'm hidden in Christ. So when God looks at me, He looks at Christ and uh, even though I'm this puny little, small little, insignificant, weak little person, uh, Christ goes, no, um, I paid a price for Him, so He's okay. That's not biblical and that's garbage. When Christ died for us, friends, he didn't just die so that he could just cover our little puniness and we just insignificant little, little individuals. And when God looks at us, we kind of, he kind of hides us and says, oh, look at me, God, I'm just, um, you, I've got these guys. It's all right. They're a bit puny, but we'll deal with it. Maybe one day they'll get a bit stronger. No, what he did, friends, is when he died for us, friends, he made us new creatures in Christ. Friends, if you could only see how God sees you. As we were sharing, and I think it was Kim who was sharing, and we were sharing in the prayer this morning, it was a case of we love being with God, but He loves being with us. The reason why He loves being with us, we new creatures in Christ. Friends, not just redeemed, not just born again with the blood of the Lamb, friends, completely new, powerful, vibrant, active uh, people in God. When God sees us, he sees mighty, powerful. Yes, it's the blood of Jesus. Yes, it's Christ. Christ in us and us in Christ, yes. But powerful people, friends. Not just little puny little things. Like, oh, uh, and just Jesus protecting us. Insulated from this world. Evil, evil. Jesus just protecting until he comes again. Powerful people, friends, friends filled with God. What God needs us to do is get a revelation of what the Word says, friends, of who we are in Him. When we get this revelation, friends, our faith can now explore this revelation, begin to allow God to do what He always wanted to do in and through our lives, to become the body of Christ, to become the hands and the feet of Jesus, so we can go in, friends, not looking for demonic realm, friends, but bringing life wherever we go. And when the demonic comes into our us. Sights, friends, we shoot the suckers. Amen. Powerful people, friends, that are community, that are involved in each other's lives, that are bringing the kingdom of God to the earth, friends, very quickly. So this is just what, what, what Jesus was saying, friends. Again, I shared all of that to say he's the prototype He's setting the precedent, friends, is that he was living in two realms, friends. He was living in the realms of heaven, friends, where he was ascending, and God was speaking to him, and the Father was speaking to him, and he was down on the earth ministering, friends. He set the precedent, and Paul gets a revelation, understanding of this, and he says exactly the same thing in Ephesians, friends, that we are seated in Christ in heavenly places. We're established in heavenly places far above every single rule. And authority, we his body, friends, with his fullness inside of us. And he says, oh, I wish my prayer for you, simply this. I'll be with my voice, Lord. Revelations, where am I? Okay, revelations. I'm getting a revelation. Um, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Oh God, that Holy Spirit, you would bring wisdom and revelation to the people of God in three vital areas, and he unpacks those three areas in the rest of Ephesians, but in three vital areas that we need revelation in, friends, and understanding. The first one is Wisdom and revelation, that having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you might know what the hope to which he has called you. Friends, to know the hope to which he has called you. That word hope, friends, is a biblical word, hope, not the, the, the uh, English version of hope. Hope is, means like, a, it's kind of a desperation, it's kind of a, I really hope, I wish. That, that's the English. The, the, the Hebrew, friends, is a, it's, a, it's a joyful anticipation of good. Amen? That's why faith is the substance 
to things that were hoped for. Because I'm stirred up in God. I'm excited. I'm expectant of this good. And my faith brings substance to that, friends. What motivates me is faith, friends. But I've got to have hope as the blueprint. Otherwise, what am I doing? I'm going around like a chicken with its head chopped off. Right? So what he wants us here is to get revelation, understanding of the hope to which he has called us. This is the hope to which he has called us. Powerful, mighty men and women of God. Filled with God. So filled with God. Exploding with the presence and power of God. Mighty, overcoming believers of God. Who can speak to the demons. Who can, who can address situations. Who can change atmospheres. Who can change situations. The hope to which he has called us. And what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And I love this. Connor alluded to it or shared a little bit a couple of weeks ago. The riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. It's the riches of his glory in the saints. And we are his inheritance. You see, we are Jesus' inheritance. And we need a revelation of the riches of his glory that's inside of us. There's a glory, friends, that God wants to reveal in and through you and I. It's a glory, friends, when we lift him up so that his train fills the temple. Who is the temple? When you lift up Jesus, his glory fills the temple. Revelation of the riches of his glory. Woo. We are his inheritance. And he wants me to get a revelation of the hope of my calling to what I've been called to. And the riches of his glory that's inside of me. Number three, have some water, yeah. I'm heated up here. Oh, listen to this. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places? What is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe? He wants us to get a, a revelation and understanding of this flow of the immeasurable power of God that is flowing towards us 24-7. What does this power look like? What is it? Let me explain it to you. It's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. It's now flowing towards you and I. Woo. And he's saying, now get a revelation, understanding of this, and let's now go and let this sucker flow. Right? And you go, oh, what if it doesn't happen? That's brilliant. If it doesn't happen, I go back and I ask the question, why? So that he can bring more revelation and more understanding until I am the river that he called me to be. Because God is not a dripping tap, and neither is your wife. We are meant to be rivers, friends. People that flow with the immeasurable greatness of God. This is what he's telling us, friends. This is what's in the word. Now we can sit there and feel a little bit of, oh boy. Or we can actually say, well, I would dare to believe this. I would dare to say this is the word of God. It's truth. And I am not going to just settle for knowing this so I can win a quiz so that I can impress a bunch of believers, so that I can get invited to go to another church and tell them also what they also are. So everybody now knows who they are. It's wonderful. The time, yes. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna land because I, I could speak. Let me just say this, one thing. Friends, I want every single one of you to understand something. 
that by faith and patience you inherit the promises of God. I want you to know that you outside have to have patience. But I want you to know that you're not waiting inside. Because Jesus came. Let that settle a little bit. You see, you ask for the promises of God. You have to have patience because they're still coming out there. But God is with you. He's inside of you. You have a relationship with him. You're not waiting. You're not waiting for God to move. He's moved. He's inside of you. Patience is for that to manifest. From the man. <laughs> no, it's okay. Private joke, yeah. Manifestation, the man from the station, okay? You're not waiting for the man from the station. <laughs> Presence of God's inside of you. You're not waiting. You're communing. You're in fellowship. You're in relationship with him. You're being stirred up. You're a powerful, mighty man of God. I'm not going to be dictated to by my waiting, friends. I trust him. I love being with him, friends. I'm not waiting, oh, and I'm waiting on God. And No, I'm just resting in the presence of God. And I'm declared and spoken. And I believe he's true. And I believe he's going to do that. And I can keep on going and ministering, friends, without getting frustrated. Amen? Oh, there's, uh, put the paper away. There. Friends, if we can understand, all God is asking us to do is to lift him up. Let every... One be made low and let him be lifted up, friends. Just give him his rightful place. Like we've all been singing all these nice songs. Give him his rightful place, friends. Just let him take over our lives and then let him do what only he can do because it's his word. And inside of his word, inside of his word, Christ is the word. Inside of the word is the power to fulfill the word. Amen. Let Christ fulfill in every single one of our lives. Well, how do we do that? What happens in the meantime? Friends, we are communing with him. We're in fellowship with him. When we come on a Sunday, we come to just love him, worship him. Woohoo! this is so nice. Oh, no, but I'm carrying a whole bunch of stuff, whatever. Oh, no, leave that. Just lay that at his feet, friends. All you come to me, all you're weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. You'll learn from me, he says. Take my yoke. My yoke is actually easy. What? What are all the things I'm challenged with and I'm burdened with? Oh, Lord, come to you and you're going to give me rest. Well, how are you going to give me rest? He said, well, then just give me those things. My yoke is very easy. Oh, wow, well, what are those things? I'm worried about those things. I'm, they're kind of a burden. Get, leave them to me. You yoke yourself to me. Oh, this is very nice. Oh, and learn from me because I'm just humble. I'm gentle. It's like, oh, this is really nice. When I come before the Lord, I don't have to have arrogance. I have to come just and have humility and come and say, listen, oh, it's all you. I'm just going to lift you up. Oh, but you have to do this, that, and the other. No, that's arrogance. I have to lift him up. As I lift him up, whatever, I'm just yoked to him. He just comes and he begins to move and he begins to do stuff beyond our understanding. Isn't that beautiful? We trust in him. Okay, long story short. So, so in all of this, I've been churning in my heart, been saying, God, I... I want the reality of church. The church is not a building, friends. It's a group of people. I want the reality of a group of people, friends. I want the reality of a family. I want the reality of a group of people that love one another, that spend time together. I want the reality of the Bible. I want the reality of Acts. I want the reality of a whole family of people that had everything in common, that were there together, that loved being together, they were, they, were, they were doing life together, and they were loving Jesus, and he was just moving in their midst, and then things were happening, and they understood who they were, they got this revelation, and uh, just the power of God was flowing, people were getting healed, set free, and the fear of God was just uh, on all the people, they just had awe of this group of people that just, they knew that the Holy Spirit, that God the Father had anointed them with the Holy Spirit, and with power. And they were just going about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the enemy because there was no doubt about it, God was with them. That's what I want. My challenge in all of that, friends, is I have tried my very, very best to try and think of programs and, and things that we can implement and do a whole bunch of stuff 
that can kind of make this kind of stuff happen. And that's unfortunately not how it works. You can't just force this, friends. The reality is, friends, we come to a building because that's where we come together. So it's very hard because we kind of come to church. But it's not. We are the, we are the church. We come to a building, friends, and we see the people in that building for that token gesture of two hours, whatever, we can smile, we half-five, friends, and then we go back normally to our own lives. Do we even like the people that we are with? Do we even, do, do we, do we even have anything in common or we, we, we even know anything about the people? But we'll have a cup of coffee as long as it's for two hours. And then we will go and we'll live life and we'll have a whole, a whole world of life out there outside of the church. Right? So my heart's just been saying, Lord, how has this happened? How did it happen? Friends, the reality is, friends, gathering together should come out of this heart, not this heart comes from gathering together. So I'm having to do a, a very short, so I'm doing a hatchet job on, on something that needs to take a lot more time. So just forgive me, but hopefully you catch the heart of it. I've just been asking the Lord about our transition and our, our journey, and I've just been saying, Lord, this is an amazing building. It's a fantastic building. For me, um, as a pastor, whatever, leading a church, this has been a dream as a building. And um, do I love this building? Do I want, I, I would love to be in this building. But we just know that where we're at as a church now, Reality Pill, um, at the size of our congregation, what we're journeying, whatever, and at 68,000 rand a month is not, is not workable. So, yes, we've got to let go of this building. So it is so e easy to say, okay, well, let's just go find another building, and then we'll go into that. But I just felt the Lord begin to speak to me because there's two things happening. There's also our land. So he's just been speaking to me, and I've just been saying, Lord, and he's been talking to me about our land. And just in talking to me about the land, he just said, you know what? Um, you know what happens with the land? You don't just walk onto the land and build a building. And, um, and then and, and it's all lacquer and you carry on. You see, when you go onto land, there's a whole bunch of stuff that needs to happen before you can build a building. I don't know if you knew that. And it costs a whole lot of money. You've got to put a, fe a, a, a fence or wall around the building, the, the land. You've got to go uh, get the land tested. You've got to have environmental impact studies. You've got to have traffic studies. You've got to do a whole bunch of stuff. And then you've got to uh, build foundations and all that first before you even go near the building. And I just felt like the Lord just say to me, as 24-7, son, I just need to sort out some foundations. I just need some soil tests before you build. So it's easy, friends, for us to go into a building, but the transition there needs to be some soil tests and some foundational stuff that goes on. And uh, so I just said to the Lord, what are you actually saying, God? And I, I, come the end of September, we move out of this building. Um, I, in a nutshell, this is what I feel in my heart. I feel like if we move straight to the land, not that we can, but even if we did, if we move straight to the land, I feel like we would miss out on opportunity in God for what he's trying to say and do in 24-7 church. I was going to talk to you a whole other thing about time. God's been speaking to me a lot about time. You know, we get in the movies, uh, you know, Father Time. Father is the father of time, by the way, our father. And time is a gift because God knows the times and he knows the seasons. There are set appointed times. John the Baptist was wandering around in the desert because he's catching locusts. And Jesus said, it's time. And he was released to go and do what he had to do. When Jesus was released, we know what's his time. Even Jesus said, no man knows the time or the hour. Because only the father knows he's the father of time. So there are times in God where we've got to listen, be discerning and know the seasons and know the times that God is speaking into. Because he's the author of time. And don't miss out on the times, friends. That's the time. There's a time to build. And there's also a time to tear down. Ecclesiastes. Amen. I feel like God is saying to us as a church that there's gonna, there needs to be a transition time where we need to sort out some things. We need to get, allow him to work. 
And one of those aspects, friends, is got to do with all the desire of my heart. So I am feeling on my heart is that we are busy now trying to finalize another venue that we want to move into, but we are going to move to that venue every second week. So two weeks of the month, we will be in a venue, gathering together corporately to worship, to love God together. And the other two weeks on a Sunday, we are going to have home groups. And the reason why it's a Sunday morning is because far too many of you got excuses during the week. One reason. Second reason is if you're busy during the week, you can't actually connect with one another. Then your only time is a Sunday and a Sunday is not connect time. Sunday is worship time. Sunday is loving him and honoring him. So a lot of us, and this is not a negative, I'm just explaining. In the world that we're living in today, we're very, very busy. So during the week, it's very difficult for us to connect together. So we can only actually come on a Sunday. So I've just made it easy for you. I've just made the home group on a Sunday. So one week, we're at home group. The second week, we're in the building. The third week, we're at home group again. The fourth week, we're in the building. What does that do for us, friends? What it means is no excuse for every single person here to belong to a home group, one. And two, for us to do life together. Because now, if you came here on a Sunday, then you can go to the home group. And if you can go to the home group, we can actually get together and we can connect together and we can do life. You can share stuff. Because what's happening, friends, is that people are busy. They can't go to home groups. Then they're coming on a Sunday. And then they're coming on a Sunday just, and there's a two-hour point, And we're putting everything in those two hours. So I've got to do everything in those two hours. Whatever need, all that needs to happen. I need to connect with you. Have a cup of coffee. I need to talk to you. I need to get in your life. But I also need to praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Then I also need to hear the word. Because I'm not going to see you for the rest of the week. You're busy, friends. And I'm saying, listen, that's not it. So what happens is when we're busy and we come to the church, now I'm trying to hear God for myself and what's happening with it. I, I haven't got time now to connect with Just leave. I'm trying to focus now. Some, you, know, you know what I'm saying? Then what happens is we're out there, friends, and when something comes along, friends, we're isolated. The reality is we've got people out there that are fighting big battles and nobody knows about it. And I'm saying, I don't want to lead a church like that. I want to know about your battles. I want to know your starvation. I want to know there was no needy one among them, friends. I want to know who the needy ones are, friends. I want to know what we need to do, friends, because I'm carrying the presence and power of God. I'm carrying your answer. And I don't know your question. And I'm saying that because every single person here is carrying the answer, friends, for one another. There's stuff happening out there now. And as a church, friends, we want to be equipped. Why? Because we want to be the, the place, the, 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 the oasis for people to come, friends. I can't share what I don't have. I want to connect. I want to have fellowship, friends. This is, goes so much bigger than just a journey, friends. I, I, I believe in, just so you all know, I believe in corporate gathering. I believe in, in, in us getting together and, 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 the, and having a, uh, musicians that lead us. I believe in getting together. Please don't hear what I'm not saying, friends. I believe in it, friends, but I believe it comes out of the togetherness. I believe it comes out of being family and working together and helping one another. Otherwise, friends, this thing does not happen the other way. We have a whole lot of get-together centers where people are just getting together on a Sunday to make themselves feel good, to hear a little bit, see if they can cope during the week. They, they don't even like the people they meet with. They don't even know the people they meet with. And friends, you see, when you understand this, you suddenly realize this is actually a mobile, very active church. But there's one key factor here. You can't do nothing with this mobile church. You can come on a Sunday and you can sit there in row three, third seat, and, and you can, see that person? So, yeah, so you, can, you can sit there, nobody knows anything, whatever, and you can just be all oh, kumbaya and then go away and nobody knows anything about your life, friends, and you can just carry on like that and, every, and, and you can just carry on in secret. But when you start to build life together, guess what happens? We get to know one another. And then you've got to be vulnerable to people that you can trust, friends, people that you, you, you're opening your heart to. Now, that's not to everybody. We understand all of that. I'm going short, quick version. 
And that we get together, and friends, and now we begin to work together and we, we begin to share lives. Now we begin to journey together. What happens in the church is we come along, whatever, and we stay secret. We just come there on a Sunday and, yeah, kumbaya, but I'm battling with all whole stuff in my life, but I'm all, all, all very nice. And then all of a sudden, oh, somebody comes along and I begin to share with them, oops, now they know my secrets. I better leave. Well, I disagree with that person and that person, so I'm leaving. But when you're doing life together, friends, you wrestle like a family does. He disagrees with me often. The little tortoise, no. Um, he disagrees with me, friends, but we're family. And he knows he can come back and have supper. No. But that's what family is. Family is, I got to know him. I know his little quirks. I know his little things. I know when he's speaking to me and he says something, which I know, I'm like, watch it. But I also know him. And I know why he's saying it. I know it's coming from his heart. It doesn't, I don't take offense. But if I don't know you and you come say something to me, I can take offense and go and put it on the land. But the reality is, friends, we have a congregation of people, friends, to be honest, we have a congregation of people that's just beautiful size that we can do this well. And then when we've got that and we're doing it well and we're loving one another, we're helping one another, we're in each other's lives, nobody is stranded out there and wondering, and, but we join together, one body. We sing these songs, friends. I'm tired of singing songs. It's either real or it's not real or it's fake. And I'm tired of actually being a hypocrite in actually who I am. I'm not some little average little Jimmy that walks around, whatever, and struggling with this and struggling with that. The Bible tells me I'm an incredibly powerful man of God. So I don't want to be a hypocrite anymore. I want to be this. I want to live this. Let every single other man be a liar, but let the word be true. Amen. I'm a guy who walks into my environment and I change it. Amen. So we get together with one another and we go, listen, whoa, you said that, Grant, but hey, you, need, you haven't seen my boss. But you haven't seen my work situation. Well, you, you, you don't know what's happening in my environment. And I'm saying, I don't. So let's get together. Let's begin to pray. Let's begin to go after some things. Amen. We, uh, there was a, a situation um, that I was speaking to a family, or to, to the mom, whatever. And we, we kind of said, we're going to go after something. And then we went after something and something happened. And we were kind of like, wow. And I'm going, Imagine if we could do that every single day. We go after stuff. Not like, well, let's not talk about it because I don't want to tell you, well, let's just pray and that God's going to do that. Imagine if it doesn't happen. Imagine if it does happen. Imagine if things begin to change. Imagine if our lives begin to just be radically shifted with declaring and speaking. Imagine if now we're connected when one could put a 1,000 but two could put 10,000. Can you imagine the enemy understands that and knows that, hold on, it's not good for two to get together. Or three. Because, hey, this thing multiplies. No, let him do it on his own. So that's what the church does. They do it on their own. And we call it family. Well, let's not do it on our own. Amen. Let's do this thing together. So now this is an unfolding thing. So what happens when we build our building on the land? When we build our building on the land, the land now becomes the tool of the church to reach the community. It doesn't become the place where we meet. We do meet there, but it's not the place where we meet. Do we get that? So our land, friends, our land, we want to build a, a, a preschool and an, an, an ultimately an orphanage. Um, there will be a, a re residence, residential little accommodation. Accommodation, right word. Accommodation, friends. There will be a place where the church will meet, and it will it'll, be a training facility, and there will be worship uh, and, and, and fire and incense, worship and prayer time going on there, friends. And there, there's also, there will be Hebrews Cafe. Friends, there'll be some things, the Hebrews Cafe and the preschool that's actually income generating. So the land is generating income, friends, and be able to, for the finances, so we can keep the momentum of what God's doing. But also, friends, it's also a place where we gather together. It's a gather together where I meet as a family. I don't have to go to Mug and Bean. I go there. And I don't have to uh, uh, wait until a, a Sunday morning to go and just soak in the presence of the Lord for 24 hours. This building was soaking in worship, friends. And you come this morning and you feel, whoop. Well, this is great. I can walk into this. Imagine walking into that every single day. 
I've got an hour, but yeah, I'm going to go off. I'm just going to stand there. Woo. But what we do is we go, wow, that fire and incense was so powerful. We must do that more often. Let's do that four or five times a year. Woo. Friends, you could do that every single day. Fire and incense isn't some event, friends. So the church wants to fill itself with events because we've got to keep ourselves busy. Why? Because we're not active Christians anyway. Because it's very hard to be an active Christian. I'm saying now when you get into the home groups, it's hard to be an inactive Christian. It's hard to hide now because a bunch of people are going to get into my life, get into my face. But guess what? Now we're going to begin to share. Friends are going to invite people and now we're going to begin to multiply. That's actually how the church grew. Not I invited my friends to a Sunday meeting and they sat there and said, well, uh, not bad. Guys, you've got a bad voice. Uh, preacher, a little croaky voice, but shouting a bit, but uh, not bad, whatever. Okay, yeah, I think I'll join. Oh, you know what? People stole our signs. No one's ever going to find us. We haven't even got any signs. We're, just, uh, we're in obscurity somewhere. Friends, that's not the church. Oh, what we've got to do is let's raise up and get a fund so we can buy some signs. No, you the sign. Be the sign. Well, that's a good song. Be the sign. I want to be. Whoop, whoop. We're the sign, friends. How do we do that? We don't do that by doing, a, you know, like let's get into some works thing. We do that by actually just meeting in homes. Being together in homes, having fellowship together, growing together. Invite somebody to come. How, yeah, okay, we, we're changing it from home groups because it's, I don't know, it's just got a negative connotation, I don't know why, but, so we're going to call it Household of Acts, or House of Acts, cool, so we're going to have House of Acts meetings, and then corporate meetings, then House of Acts meetings, then get together, and, uh, and then our land will be this incredible place where we go to, which doesn't just save us money, Amen. Well, we can't afford this building. Let's go to another building. No, 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 no. This isn't just me trying to save money because you know what? It's really good to own your own building than to pay someone else. Who gives a tortoise? We are the building. We are the church. It's a great place to meet. This is now, uh, hey, you must go there. Guess what's there? There's actually a larper. And oh, you know what? There's even a pool there. We'll go have a bra there and we'll go and baptize a whole bunch of people. And we'll swim and have some fellowship together. We'll meet on our, play, our meeting place. Amen. We're doing life together. I don't have to have it in my fancy bra and I've got four in my house. I, I want to go and meet where the church meets. That's what happened. Every single day they were going to the temple. Oh, they were going to the temple. No, they were excited. They were going where? Where all the believers were. That's where they were going. Call it what you want. The place where everyone did go because of the, the routine and the, of the day was they went to the temple. But if, they, if God said, listen, and they all went to the big tree on the, by the river. They were going there to meet, friends. They weren't going to do the stuff in the temple. They were free. The temple had been ripped. They saw it. Game over. We got access to Jesus. I don't have to go to the temple and go through the whole process. Let me kill a lamb. No, the lamb's been slain. Amen. That's what we talk about, how you could meet under a tree years time. I've landed um, the reality is, friends, it doesn't matter where we meet. We, we must meet. It doesn't matter, friends, that we have a beautiful venue. It matters, friends, that our hearts are connected. It matters that we're one. It matters that we love one another. It matters that we care. It matters that we're compelled and controlled by love, not by an experience or an event. Or I don't want any more events be honest. It's, it's, been, it's been struggling. I, I've had some of the top best church guys come and say, the way you have to change, you have to do, you have to start doing events. Start filling the church with events. It attracts people and gets the people busy because otherwise they sheep. They get lazy and they start biting each other. Friends, there's a, there's a condition in this church and we are treating the condition. I'm not, it's not reflective of any other church. It's not like I've got the model now, guys, this is the model. I'm just saying there's a condition in the church and we're trying to fix it. The condition of the church is we're not family. We want to be family. Condition in the church, we don't really know one another. We want to know one another. Condition in the church that we are busy and we're not able to. So how do we fix that? The way we fix that, whatever is that, you can't, don't just keep coming on a Sunday. It's not going to fix it. 
We need to go and be in each other's homes. Amen? So here's the challenge for every single one of you. Whoever's not part of a home group, you've now overnight become a two-Sunday attendance person. <laughs> or you can become part of a home group and become four weeks because surely we, 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 we don't have an excuse for a Sunday morning, surely. So let's, as this outworks, please come and speak to Connor and that, put your names down, whatever, and say, I want to be part of a home group. I don't care if one home group's 40 and the other home group's at 10, but we want to, and then we'll unpack, and over time, we'll outwork what the whole thing looks like. We might have some questions going, okay, how does it work? What do we, how, how do you do this? How do you do that? I've got it all down, most of it. Um, and so we'll outwork it. Amen. Shall we stand? So Connor's just reminded me in case you didn't, I said it too quickly or said it wrong. Obviously, we, we continue until the end of September, as we have been. So every Sunday we're meeting. But it would be really helpful, really helpful, if um, you were part of a home group or a household of acts uh, or to, um, before the end of uh, September. And then from October, we will change, we'll shift into the new wave. And, and also, just as we pray now as well, just pray that God uh, highlights and gives us the right venue moment we're just still trying to secure and finalize a venue um, but we'll be teaching and unpacking this over the next couple of weeks anything else you want to say <laughs> and you can have questions and and we'll answer your questions amen shall we pray let's hear what the lord's saying <laughs> lord we just thank you this morning i know i've taken a lot of time and i thank you for the patience and the love of this incredible family, Lord God. I count it a privilege to be a father. I really love this family, Father. Lord, you know the desire of my heart, Father, is to really be who God called us to be as a church, Lord God. Lord, I don't see any point in us doing a whole bunch of veneer stuff or pretending or and the end of the day, to stand before you one day and go, oh, check out, I conned all those guys, high five. I don't want to con anyone, I want to be who you called me to be, Lord God. I want this family to be who you called us to be, and I believe you've called us to be a mighty city. A city on a hill of lights, a city of, of flavor, a city, an oasis, Father, where people are drawn to, Lord God. I just thank you, Father, that... You are wanting to bring in so many wonderful, wonderful people into 24-7 church, Lord God. A place where it's a haven, a place where they're protected, a place where they're loved. Not just a really good Sunday. Not just a really good band. Not just really good worship or really good preach. But a place where they're protected and loved and helped. A place, Father, where they feel at home. So I thank you, Lord God, that as you are outworking this, I ask, Holy Spirit, that you'd give your people, 24-7 church, a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, that the eyes of their heart would be enlightened, that they might know, Lord God, the hope to which they have been called. Oh, Lord, I ask this morning supernaturally that you would begin to work on our hearts and bring such understanding, Lord God, that where we've done things a certain way for years and years and years, Lord God, that we would just be open, Lord, for you to come and to break those mindsets and pull those, those things, those lofty thoughts that might raise themselves above the knowledge of God. That I know today, Father, there are people sitting here that have not been able to connect with people and yet they're walking difficult situations and they come on Sundays, but Sundays is just like a glorious celebration, Father, but it's hard to be able to connect and talk, Lord God. I pray, Father, that we would have an understanding that this is the way the early church walked and did it. And uh, we want to just model truth, and we want to we live truth. We want to outwork truth, Lord God, because the truth will set us free. So I'm praying, Father, for every single person here, Lord God. I pray, Father, that every single person here, Lord God, would 
get a revelation of what we're trying to outwork, Father, and pray that every person, Lord God, would just put their hands up and say yes to family. Um, but I just commit this into your hands, Lord God, not my will, but your will be done. And Lord, let your kingdom come in this community of believers, Lord God, that we might see some mighty things and see our home, uh, home groups or households of Acts begin to multiply uh, and just see, Lord God, the signs and wonders and miracles, the greatness of what you will do with a bunch of people that lift you up, put you first in their lives, Lord. So I just thank you for that today. I pray, Lord God, for every person here, protect every heart, every mind, Lord God, any questions, Lord, I pray that first they would go to you and then they can come and <laughs> chat to me. <laughs> and uh, and uh, just, yeah, Lord, we just thank you for this beautiful group of people. I love them, Lord. They're so amazing. Bless every single one of them in Jesus' name. And uh, just uh, a huge welcome to my daughter, who's back from New Mexico. You're amazing. And we just love having you release your sound over this group of people. It's beautiful. We appreciate you. And uh, we took some pictures. Courts and I, as a father and daughter, were able to walk the property. And she was uh, just dreaming with me and then sharing some of the things about the orphanage. And uh, the school, that they, have, they have a, also have a preschool there, and how they work it and everything, and I just, I got so excited. So I'm so excited for that. I'm, I'm going to sit with Reva and, uh, and see all that they're doing out that side. Um, but I just, I get stirred up with, this is community, and this is what we can do. We can invite people in, and they can do stuff, to, we can do stuff together. It's like, yo, it's beautiful. Whatever you want to put your hand to, you can actually do it. And we're going to do some farming on the land too, so. If you've got green fingers, that's awesome. Not green thumb, but green fingers. Huh? Okay. Bless you. Love every single one. If you're needing prayer, please stay. And, and uh, I'd love to pray with you. Otherwise, please have fellowship at the back. Love you guys. Thank you for your time. I know we went over a bit of time, but thank you for your time. It's been awesome.